Welcome to the first Intuition Podcast. On this episode, Dave is joined by Aaron Mortlock to discuss study balance within your life. They recorded the session in front of a live Zoom audience, and if you'd like to join a future show, you can register for them. I'll put a link in the show notes. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the First Intuition Student Podcast. My name's David Maltas. Um, I'm one of the tutors at First Intuition. I'm based in Essex in Chelmsford. And I am joined not by my regular co-host, Ben Bulmerday, but I'm joined by someone we can now call friend of the show, Aaron Mortlock. So good evening, Aaron. How are you? Evening. Yeah, doing very well, David. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks. And Aaron, you joined us, I think, some point last year, wasn't it, to, to do your, your debut on the podcast. And when someone makes their second appearance, they become a friend of the show. So congratulations on, on making it as friend of the show. Um, how are things in your, your home offices in Cambridge? How are things in your home office of Cambridge? Yeah, it's nice. Um, slowly getting more and more people in the office. Um, as we kind of get into later in January, we'll have also more students. So yeah, I'm, I'm always happy when there's the, the building's got a buzz to it and it's, it's nice and busy. Yeah, when we've just had the news on, on or I just heard the news on the radio that some of the, the COVID restrictions are lifting for us. And we're speaking here in January for those of people that are, have downloaded this in kind of 2028 or something like that. So those restrictions are going to be lifted and um, we're going to be, I, I'm going to be able to get into the office a bit more frequently, which I absolutely love. I love seeing the, the students coming in. Um, and for me, this week is, is one of those, those brilliant weeks of the year when students get their exam results. So we had ACCA exam results in uh, on Monday, uh, and it's really, really great to hear stories of people being successful in the exams. And it's really nice to see people getting to the end of their ACCA journey and qualifying, and then they can progress within their careers. Um, and you know, Unfortunately, we do tend to have one or two people that are unsuccessful and kind of counselling and coaching those people kind of takes over this week. So how, how have you found the ACCA results you know for you have you had some of those stories the highs and the lows well actually um yeah I had, I'm, I'm more spotting a couple of people from SEMA but yeah no no ACCA's yet and I, I kind of take it as um no news from students is, is normally good news because they they reach out pretty quickly um so yeah I'm I'm, I'm taking that as a uh, good news so far yeah, and we've got the, the double benefit, the double joy of ICAWs of results on Friday, which again is that it's a mixture of apprehension and fear at the moment. But then I know Friday afternoon there'll be there'll be some celebrations. Uh, I'm sincerely hoping there'll be some celebrations as those students have got the results. Um, the other thing I noticed is we are at the beginning of the year, and everyone in all of the offices we work with seems to be you know on some kind of commitment to do something different as it's the beginning of the year and I noticed that you have um, you're taking part in the the first intuition running walking Land's End to John O'Groats challenge so um, do you want to explain a little bit about what you guys are doing yeah so absolutely um got uh, nearly 15 of us uh, walking well not technically physically walking it we do it in our own areas um it's a fairly long journey, 1,084 miles to get there. So um, yeah, no one's doing it alone. And we're all helping each other to, to do that distance, um, doing a few miles a day, every day, just kind of getting out of those habits of, you know, kind of watching a bit of TV at home with lunch or, you know, straight away sitting down in the evening. So it's, it's a nice way to just kind of get refreshed, um, feel good, get some fresh air, 
and some uh, some lovely mornings outside when it's it's frosty and bits up sunrise as well yeah we're doing the, exactly the same challenge so it's a team of 15 of us trying to do that distance in 30 days and it works out at just over three miles per person per day um so it's something that is is challenging um because you know getting out and doing three miles does take a bit of time if you're a walker then it's you know it's, it's over an hour it can take you to cover that kind of distance and it, it's it's you know it's not a straightforward distance to run unless you're a you know, a, a, a seasoned athlete like you are, Aaron. Um, but it's it, it, so something that's getting us all out there and moving. And it is quite a nice challenge. 30 days is quite, it's, you know, it's a length of time that does require a bit of commitment. We're three days in and we are, I think it, it, I think it was at the end of yesterday, we were two miles ahead of target uh, of where we should be. So we're doing quite well there. Um, we're raising money for, for a charity. I don't know, Aaron, are you raising money for charity as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're raising it for Emmaus, which I think is the pronunciation. I've never actually asked them directly. Um, but yeah, Emmaus, which is a, a local place in Cambridge that basically um, house and support people who are homeless with work. So it's oh, a brilliant. nice it's, I know I know that charity from my time of, of being in Cambridge. They're quite well known in that area. Um, in Chelmsford, we're running um, uh, for, for one of the alcohol awareness charities. Um, and so, you know, I think both of them great causes um, and hopefully... We, we can raise loads and loads of funds for charity. Awesome. But we, we were, Ben and I were thinking about kind of topics that we'd like to cover on our next, uh, on our podcast for this year. And as, as you know, listeners will know, we go through a range of different things that we talked about. And we did want to talk a little bit about kind of helping people to plan for their studies. And one of the things that we, that really struck us is it, talking about how you actually you know, study, but try and maintain some kind of, kind of balance within your life as well, because it's sometimes very difficult to do that. So, you know, I guess, you know, you know my first question to you, Aaron, as kind of our, our star guest today is, you know, what are your thoughts on, on trying to get that balance? Why, what, is it important? But, you know, why is it we want to try and achieve balance in our lives in general before we even think about, before we even think about study? Yeah, I think it's just a, your the time you spend, you want to spend on the things that you actually want to do as much as you can. So um, whether that's as much as you time, time as you can with your partner, whether that's, you know, a lot, a big chunk of that will go to work. Um, and it's trying to, just trying to juggle all of that. And I think coming out of the Christmas break as well, um, which feels like it's forever ago now already, <laughs> but coming out of that Christmas break, I think you can easily time can just slip by so I think it's a good time to just have a think about what are the priorities in your life how can you juggle them so you're spending as much time on the things that you want to do as possible yeah I, I, I agree and it, it's something that I think if you don't achieve that balance that that's when things can go wrong um, and, and I always talk about when, when you put study into the mixture of your life if you go the wrong way and study too hard and this is something that, that I think a lot of people do is they think, right, you know, I'm going to start studying. And some people might go away from tonight and think, all oh, right, I'm really going to crack on with my studies. And, you know, they map out their entire day and say, right, I finish work at, at five. I'm home by six o'clock so I can study from six until ten. And then I'll get a sandwich and go to bed and I can do four hours work every single night. And, and they start off with great intentions and maybe get through three days of doing it. And then after three days of putting those kind of hours in, 
you realize that all of the things that you love doing, you've put to one side and suddenly life doesn't feel as good anymore. And when life doesn't feel as good, you start to lose that motivation to study. And when you lose the motivation to study, you just put it to one side. And so I see lots of people that kind of have set these really high targets, really, really go for it, and then fall off the wagon super quickly. Uh, and that's something that, that you know, I, I think is a real challenge when you're trying to, to put together that work-life balance. And, and something that I always encourage people to, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, Aaron, is, I like people to put together a, a really high level study plan and say, I've got my exam in, in three months time and this is the amount of study that I'm going to do. But I, I like people to, to, to plan for their study last, not first. So a lot of people put it in first and do this study and this study and this study. You know, my view is put the things you have to do in first into your study plan. Now, the things you have to do is you have to turn up to work, otherwise you don't earn any money, you're going to get sacked. So let's put work into my study plan. And then the next thing is put the things that you love to do next. So I know, Aaron, you're, you're a keen runner and, and probably life wouldn't be as good without being able to go out for those kind of like runs every day or every other day. Put time in your study plan of those things that you love to do. It, seeing, seeing your family, seeing your friends, um, you know, that, that, that night out that you've got planned in three weeks time, put all of those in. And once you put in the things that you love, then fit your study into those gaps. You'll find there's loads of time, okay? And then stick to that plan. And the thing that it does is it makes life worth living because you're doing the things you love, but it also means that you're not sitting there just watching endless hours of Netflix, which let's face it, it's not the thing that everyone you know, is passionate about doing. We almost do those kind of things to fill blocks of time. But if you think about what do I love now, what do I have to do? What do I love now? My study, then you've, you've surely got still some time that you can watch a bit of mindless Netflix if you want. But that, that's kind of my high level approach, Aaron. I don't know what your thoughts are. Do you have an approach to how you would schedule your study time? Yeah, I think it's kind of similar. It's just thinking of those um, going through the process of saying, well, what, what are my priorities? So, what are the things that I exactly as you say so what's you know not everything can be a priority so fill in your bucket with um priorities number one priority number two and then say okay well where does study come into that um and i think it's i think it's one of those things that now we're at, well we were at home more are at home more it's easy to think you have loads of extra time to study or loads of extra time and actually in some ways you should be filling that a little bit with your priorities the things that give you energy back um, the kind of I, I always call it this the things that are like spinach because I think they, they always say that spinach you uh, you burn more energy um, consuming spinach than you actually get from it so um other things like for me running that I could say actually I could you know instead of traveling an hour to work I'll take half of that time and instead of going straight from work into study I spend half an hour going for a run and then I come back and technically I've potentially still got another half an hour that I wouldn't normally have so I think it's getting going through that process and I remember when I was studying it was really a um, uh, my girlfriend now fiance um, she and I talked about it and our priorities and also we kind of had buy-in from each other to say look Fridays absolutely never on a Friday am I going to revise a Friday sorry Friday night I'll never revise so that was just it would always be there it's blocked out and we wouldn't we, we wouldn't um, ever uh, have to think oh okay I I can't cook dinner or we can't do this or that. So Friday nights were always there. Saturday nights were always there. Um, 
but then it's just working around it um around your priorities and uh, for me helping her as well so uh, even this week i said oh i'm gonna be a little bit busier so um yeah when you start watching uh, desperate housewives it's <laughs> from the start <laughs> so uh, yeah uh, getting her back in um to think about how she could fill her time with stuff she actually really likes and desperate housewives is something she really likes along with downtown app I, I one of the things that you said there that, that i've started doing is that you're right when you work from home it's very easy to kind of think i'm going to finish at six o'clock and then the moment six o'clock happens i'm going to do something else so i'm going to go from work 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 work, work stop now i'm going to revise and it didn't take me very long to realize that you feel a bit broken if you're going 100 miles an hour at work and then you switch automatically to do something else. And I really did miss that that commute to work, you know, where I didn't realise that I would miss sitting in a car and, and commuting because, you know, I used to think that was just dead time. But you realise it's time you've got for your brain to switch off a little bit, for you to kind of understand what's happened in the day, to think ahead, um, almost to kind of like think about what's your plan for the rest of for the evening. Um, so what I try and do now is I try and just have 15, 20 minutes of not doing anything, you know, whether that's sitting down and, and reading or watching the news or going for a walk or going for a little run. But I, I'm not going to switch from working 100 miles an hour, switch, then do something else. You know, even this evening, I, I, I finished work early. I finished work at, at, at five o'clock and I gave myself half an hour um, before I started thinking about, you know, joining you here on the podcast so it, it's yeah you know, something that I, I, I'm always trying to do now whereas yeah 18 months ago I was awful because I would go from thing to thing to thing to thing and yeah you know, I've said before on this show I, I think that back in 2020 you know I, I was as close as I ever have been to, to suffering from burnout because you know I was at a, working at 100 miles an hour everything was on my plate and you know I could feel those things that I think we've talked about before in terms of starting to make poor decisions starting to miss meals um it started to do things that I know were not healthy but was doing them because it was a coping mechanism with you know all of the stress you put yourself under so I, I love the fact that you did that I, lo- I like hearing it when, when people are, are kind of saying well this is what we should be doing as well because it kind of validates the fact that maybe I'm thinking the right way so anyway we've got our, our high level um you know this is this is our study plan we've got these pockets of time that we've allocated to study whether it's you know a total five hours a week or 10 hours a week or whatever it is that we think we can fit into our busy lives and still do the things that we love um how do we kind of achieve balance and make sure that we're doing the right things in that study time i think it's then uh, I guess come back to the spinach and the uh, everything else that's in your life is I think it's just thinking about what yeah what gives you what gives you energy back so you know whether that's time um, my cat was was in the room earlier you know five minute break fine with my cat just chill out sit there and you kind of get energy back from that so I think there's priorities that are you know the things that really need to be done um, you know they're going to fill it up so what have you got left and then how does that give you more energy so if I know that I had a, a stressful day going out and doing a really hard run is probably not the best thing to do. Um, so I think it's then having a plan that, that's high level enough that you can think, actually, I need to adapt this. I need to work it in terms of how much stress and everything else have I brought into the, this, kind of, this kind of day and week. And how do I then say, actually, what, you know, what's going to make me feel better for tomorrow or for tonight rather than 
making sure I 100% hit the plan as well. Okay. And what do you think is going to help us be more productive with our time? Um, with our time. I think, well, as you said, having that plan. I think straight away having that plan, knowing what it is, knowing where, where things are going um, and being able to, to kind of go back to that and know exactly what you're doing. But even straight away building in time that's for nothing. You know, as you say, going, going downstairs and just sitting or reading a book uh, rather than, you know, sitting on your phone because you kind of get the same stimulation from a work laptop as you might do from your phone. So I think it's trying to, and I find the best that even having my phone in my pocket rather than on the desk is more productive for me because I'll never, I'll never see anything coming through. Yeah. So I think it's, it's find those priorities and then find the distractors, the things that warp your time and therefore, actually, you always find that you go over by 20 minutes on something and you don't know why. And then kind of really being aware of what you're doing throughout that day. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of, of, of little and often. And, you know, if you could break your study time into kind of 20 minutes, 10 minute break, 20 minutes, 10 minute break. That to me is more effective study time than spending an hour just slogging away at the books. So I, I do think your brain needs the opportunity just to have a break and then get back at it. And little and often, I'm, I'm a big fan of the only time you can't do that is if you're practicing and doing a mock exam and you've got to spend three hours doing that mock exam. Now, something that I know that, that you, you're interested in is kind of different types of learning style and how different people respond to different types of, of learning style. So do you want to just kind of talk me through kind of what the ideas behind those different learning styles are? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think people notice it and when you become aware of it, it's quite interesting to, to think about and reflect on. But um, I'm certainly someone that's more interested in um, the education -y world of whatever it is, whether it's assessments or learning and everything. Um, but yeah, one of the kind of classic models is around this thing called VARK, B-A-R-K. Uh, <laughs> right. um, and it's trying to think about what kind of learner you are. So you mentioned about being as productive as possible. Well, if you're thinking about how am I productive as a learner? So, you know, you, you might sit in a class and you're listening to a tutor that you've got course notes um, or, you know, you listen to an online lecture, but how is that actually digesting for you? Is it, is it working for you? And then you need to think about, well, how do you learn best? How do, how do you learn in the quickest way? So yes, there's things like you could have wordy subjects. Like I teach lots of wordy subjects because I love them, um, but you could also have a more calculation. So they're quite different. But this, this model, the Spark model, gets you to think about how you could then um, implement this in your own potentially independent time as well. So the VARC model is um, if you have part of you or whole of you is visual. So that could be, for me, mind maps. I absolutely love a mind map. Um, and for me, when I'm teaching, it helps me break up what's written on the page in course notes. I can appeal to the kind of read-write person. And then I can have a mind map that appeals to a visual person. So we're trying to cover as many as we can in one go. So yeah, you might be a more visual person, someone that likes a, a mind map or a big, you know, big poster on the wall. Um, you might be someone that likes read-write, which is you can sit there all day um, reading course notes, rewriting them yourself and writing your own notes. Um, you can see these kind of mix between them. Um, you could be someone who's a bit more auditory. Um, and I had, um, I was just, you talking about case studies earlier. Um, one of the students, you know, kind of blew me away with this. 
um, the case study, which is on athletic shoes, which was amazing um, for me, um, he recorded himself re um, reading aloud the case study because he knew if he sat there um, all day and tried to keep reading the case study, it just, it just wouldn't go in. So what he did is he recorded himself reading the case study out loud, put it into his phone as a voice recording and just listened to it on the way to work. So every day, 20 minutes on the train, listening to that rather than sitting there reading notes all day. And that, that kind of really highlights that kind of someone who really likes something to listen to um, rather than something just to, to kind of read. Um, and then the final person, which is the one I was um, struggled to pronounce is the kind of kinesthetic learner, which is the, the classic um, hands-on, really like just getting involved in stuff, you know, it, the kind of person that's really good at I think, Pictionary, you know, where you have clay and stuff. Um, that kind of learner, I mean, in accounting, it's sometimes a little bit harder to do, but when you've got calculations, you're starting to, to move yeah. towards that. So, so yeah, that, that kind of learning style, I think is, um, and we can share the, the link for a few different places, but I'm thinking about how, which one is your kind of primary one where you like to learn? Because it's not necessarily going to be a single one. You might not just be a visual learner, but you, which one of those do you, would you like to prioritize and therefore can make your revision as productive as possible? Yeah, I, I, I love, I love finding out how people's brains work. And, and that's something that really, you know, it really interests me. But when I look at those kind of four different styles, as you describe them, uh, I would say visual, that's that's 100% me. If I've got a problem of any kind, I try and draw it down as a, write it down as a picture. If I if I can write a diagram of it. So if I was drawing something about um, uh, pricing, then I would draw a box, and on that box I would say cost, and then I would draw another box onto it, and I would say that's your profit, and, and then I would use those as a in relationship to try and determine well how do I calculate margin based on which box divided by which box? And that, that's just automatically how my brain works is that I want to draw a diagram to try and solve problems. Um, audio is, is something that I'm told I'm quite scary about remembering stuff because I'll be out with you know some of my friends that I met at university and I will tell them about a conversation that we had 20 years ago. And they'll say, how the hell do you remember that conversation? I don't even remember being at that place. And yet you can remember. And I've just kind of got the ability to be able to remember stories and conversations that I've had with people at quite a scary rate. Uh, quite a scary rate. Kinesthetic, I always think that when it comes to things like tax comps, I, I, the way I learn them is to do the tax comp, to do the calculation. That's how I learn that kind of technical thing. The one that I'm awful at is reading. Uh, and this is something that I, uh, when I was at university, um, people didn't understand what I was saying. But at university, I was taught, I was taught something in a lecture, then you had to go and research it. So you had to go to the library and you had to find books. And I would sit in the library looking at a book for hours on end. And, and I would read loads of words and I wouldn't understand it. And I actually said to some of my friends at the time, I don't know how to read a book. And they kind of looked at me and said, well, you can't read. Surely you must be able to read. It's like, no, I can read it. I, I can look at the words, but I don't, I, I read through them. I understand all the words. I put them in order, but I don't understand what they mean. I, I can't put it into any kind of context. Uh, and so I, I completely understand how, you know, it, it, in terms of looking at those different learning styles, if I'm going to learn something, I want to have someone tell me a story about it or someone show me how to do a calculation 
and then I'm fine doing it. If I want to try and resolve a problem, I'm going to do it via a diagram. But the last thing I want to do is read a book because I know that's the most difficult for me. Now, I have got a lot better at being able to read technical stuff, but it's still my least favourite way of learning. So I, I think it's, yeah, it's really interesting. If you can identify what you respond to best, then focus on that style of learning. And, you know, in our classes, I think we try and bring as many of those different learning styles into our classes. Because, you know, I'm thinking I was teaching on Saturday and I was drawing pictures on the board to try and appeal to those visual learners. Um, I was telling stories about how things arose to appeal to those people that work for, for audio. Uh, there is a set of notes that people have that they can read and that they can take home or they can be reading whilst I'm talking. Um, and, and every single question, I'm going to be asking people, right, you have a go. You try and actually do it. So I know that, you know, as teachers, we try and do that. But when you're at home on your own, it's very easy to say, I'm just going to read this. And if reading isn't your preferred learning style, then you might not be making the best use of your time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you've given loads of examples there. And, and you've, I, I kind of find it in class as well, where students will see a question and go, I don't know where to start. And I say, OK, well, what, you know, and when you talk to them, it's like they're in a different world of learning. They just say, well, I guess I would maybe I'd do that. And you go, yeah, that's step one. And then do you remember what you do? And they go, oh, yes. And now I do this and that. And it's just like looking at a page is like it doesn't compute or it doesn't translate. Um, yep. When you talk to them, it just seems to click. And it's, it's one of those skills, isn't it, of, of taking a, a, an exam paper or something like that and converting it into the method that you know, whether it is putting it straight into a tax comp or a pro forma or something like that in that kind of kinesthetic way. Or is it that you're going to draw a diagram of the group structure? Okay, so you can visualise what's going on. Okay? Or some people I know can just plough through, read it and say, right, I'm off. Okay, I wish I could do that, but I I'm kind of unable to do that. Right. Anyway, we've got, we, we, we do have about 10 minutes left, Dan. There's a few things that I still wanted to ask you. So um, using your time effectively by, by making sure that you're looking at the learning style that appeals to you. And I'm actually going to ask you a question there about... Um, how would you go about trying to you know, find the right kind of learning material, learning resources to kind of meet your own needs? You know, so we, we said that you know, I, I'm three of those things and one of them I'm not. So how would I go about making sure that I've got the right kind of study materials to help me learn? Where would I get them from? I think it kind of brings to light the kind of think about I like my audit hat so think about relevance reliability so you know where where have you first started studying and therefore where can you work from so you know for us course notes online recorded lectures all that stuff the, th the stuff that you know um, will be correct and it should digest in one way so you can link your preferences with the things that are right there um, and then it's about you translating it into your to your own world so I kind of get students to go through a process of look at the course notes and listen to me. If, if that's not working, have a listen to someone else, you know, in our pre-recorded lectures. So this isn't, it's not me. So it's someone else talking yeah. in a different voice, explaining it with a different example. Uh, can't get that. Go to a study text, a, a longer version that, again, we have, which is much, much longer. But hopefully, again, that's a third way. So you've got kind of listening and you've got reading um, and then you've also got potentially some diagrams in there. So, and then if not, that's when you potentially come to me or I, with caution, I tell them 
um, potentially look at other sources like Google. Um, but of course, there's a um, yeah, some who's controlling the data that's there, and is it you know about US rather than UK stuff? So I do generally tell them with caution and use it as a I don't understand it. I've used up the source that I've got, um, and now I just want someone else to explain it or have a different example. Um, and one of my classics is search for examples of something and that's fine you know examples of something is perfectly fine but searching a particular topic that you already know and understand and then trying to bolster it with something else i i even as a student when i was there i always wanted all of it so i i found that that actually caused me to um unlearn the thing that i actually already knew yeah i i, I like that point about you know, use other sources but use them with care and it's it, it something that i i, I that I, I've told students before is that what, what you and I do, Aaron, in terms of our, our teaching, is we are there to save people time, uh, and that, that's that's really all we do. That's all great teachers or good teachers or average teachers do is they save people amount an, an amount of time because you could, you know, pass an ACCA exam entirely by yourself using only resources that are freely available. So you can go to the ACCA website and you can download the total syllabus guide for any ACCA exam and it will give you bullet pointed this syllabus area, this syllabus area, this syllabus area. You can then go online and there are so many free resources, free videos out there that will cover every single one of those areas that you can go and learn. Okay? As you said, Aaron, you need to you know, treat some of them with a degree of scepticism because some of them, if it's a tax some of them might be three years out of date. Those tax rules don't apply. You need to ignore them. Some are going to be US. Some of them are going to UK. But some of them might be from other parts of the world. And you need to determine which one's going to be examinable. Once you've done that, you then pull everything together and you make sure that you learn and you understand all of those things. And then you can start applying it to the exams. And you can get a lot of exam resources online from the ACCA website. And what you're doing if you come to a, a, a come to a college, a learning provider, come to a, a, an independent tutor, whoever, what you're getting is someone that's already done that work. And they've done that work for you. And now they're saying, this is what you need to learn to be successful in this exam. So all we've done is we've saved you a bunch of time. Um, I also think if you've made that investment in whoever it is, then you're kind of almost saying, I don't trust what you're telling me. I'm going to be looking elsewhere. And, and if that's... If that's your view, then I, I was kind of arguing maybe you've chosen the wrong person to study with that you don't trust them. But I, I would trust the person that is preparing you for that exam. You know, uh, the chances are you've done a lot of research on whether, you know, that they're going to be good enough, whether they've got good pass rates, success rates, things like that. So trust the resources that you get. What I would look for in terms of external resources is look for those stories that support the things that you've learned. So I know that I, when I teach financial management, Financial management has got loads of things in there about how you value a business when you say want to take it over or merge with someone else. Well, what would be most valuable to a student studying that is your tutor will help with the technical stuff. Scour the financial news for every single takeover that's happened. Look at why the chief execs have said that this should happen. Understand what they're telling the market. And that gives you a really deep understanding of why it's important the valuation is right. So I think you're absolutely right. You know, make sure that you are mindful of where where that other information is coming from and don't make your job doubly hard by then having to check whether it's valid or not yeah absolutely cool right Aaron last question that I, 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 I want to ask you because I know that time is rapidly going to be against us 
we have got students that are taking multiple exams. And this could be people doing, say, two ACCA exams to one sitting, two ICAW exams. Um, we might have people that are trying to finish a SEMA core exam whilst also preparing for the next case study. And in the case of, I, I know we have a lot of people out there that are AAT students, you might be nearing the end of a unit uh, of a level and you might be finishing off a unit and also trying to prepare for, say, a synoptic assessment to make sure that you get your synoptic assessment done by the next uh, uh, synoptic window. So if I am studying for two exams, how do I go about balancing my time, my study time between those two exams? Yeah, and I think that's one we get quite often. And um, I, I've regularly been asked, I've heard it's a 90-10 split between what I'm learning and, and the other one. And it just, you know, you can just hear it. And when someone else says it to you, it's, you know, probably not right. I think, I think one, it's be mindful when you're studying the thing you're studying. So I know the amount of times I was studying well, three, even three at a time. And I would be thinking, oh, uh, in the middle of a, a business planning tax question, I'd be thinking about uh, a financial reporting question. We're thinking, oh, how hard that is and um, how I'm, I'm dreading doing that tomorrow morning. And therefore you're not studying and you're thinking about something else. You're not really being productive at that time. So I think one, be mindful that when you're studying one topic um, or one syllabus, stay in that mindset of being on that syllabus. Um, I think the longer you and harder you, you study for one and leave the other out the harder it is to kind of pick it back up again as well so if you if you go oh, i found you know tax or audit really hard and you spend two weeks doing audit and then haven't done anything on tax for, for two weeks it's much harder to pick that back up it feels like you you haven't you need to restudy it all again so i think coming back to your little and often if you're balancing you know one evening on one and the next evening on the other and bouncing back and forth. Um, if you've got whole days, I used to split my days in, in two, just saying maybe the morning is this, afternoon is that. Maybe if I was thinking it was um, business plan attack was always hard. So I, right, I'm more productive in the morning. Let's do that in the morning. And then the afternoon I can just breeze through and do the, do the audit work, which I really like. So I, I think there's balance, prioritization and being mindful that lift a little often. Is, I, know, I know that it's that balance that is that, that is particularly challenging. Um, I, I think about my son at the moment, who's just started his A-levels and he, he's studying his three A-levels. One of them he's studying is law and it, it's probably his favourite subject that he's ever studied. And you know, whenever he's doing work, he's got his folder open, he's doing loads and loads of work, ask him what he's doing, it's always law. Okay, he's also studying sociology. And, you know, he's very, very rarely got a sociology book off over open. And at the moment, he's being predicted an A for law and a C for sociology. Um, how would you suggest someone like that actually changes their habits? Because, you know, it, it, you're telling him to stop doing the thing that he really likes and do something different. Yeah, I think it, I, I think the more you do something, well, I guess technically in, in what I find in reality is the more you do something, the less you're likely to love it. So if you're doing it 100 percent of the time, you're less likely to love it. You might you might really like it, but you love it. And that that kind of utility, good old economics comes back to isn't it? utility, the satisfaction you get from it. So I think actually it, you remind them that, well, what about if you had a morning away from it in the afternoon? You'll be you can't wait to do it and, and you're ready for it. Uh, maybe not too many people can't wait to study law. Maybe maybe the odd people are. So um, but yeah, I think it, it's, you know, 
that energy back you'll get from from studying the thing that you like or you think you're good at versus really tackling the one that's maybe a little bit harder first um, and getting that not necessarily out of the way but um mm. you know kind of plowing on through that so a bit a bit like your kind of analogy of uh, eat your vegetables first it's if you've got two subjects and for me when I was studying it was um, I, I love the tax exams I love management accounting exams I found the audit exams more challenging so you would have recommended to me to do your audit work in the morning and then treat yourself with some tax in the afternoon yeah yeah exactly I find that yeah I mean and again it depends on lifestyles depending on who you are you might find that you're you're half asleep throughout the morning and then the afternoon you've got bundles of energy I'm, I'm the opposite i'm you know lots of uh, lots of energy ready to go in the morning i like to start earlier afternoon i have to take a break at least in the middle of the afternoon of some sort to kind of re-energize get myself pick myself back up and then i kind of get a, a second wind at the end of the day about about half three four and I'm, I'm ready to go again so again i think it's being aware of the type of learner the you know type of person you are um so yeah and the same with you you mentioned you, you didn't necessarily love um, audit, whereas someone else like me, me was perfectly fine with it. Whereas I, I give me a tax comp and I'm not so happy. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, for, for regular listeners, you'll know that there's always an argument between Ben and his love of audit and and me who likes rational things to enjoy. Um, so I, I think you've firmly come down on Ben's side of the fence there. I, I, I do get that, and um. It is, it is difficult though. Uh, I mean, I know that I found it difficult. No one wants to do the things that they don't enjoy because generally if you don't enjoy it, it's because you're not as good at them. And uh, I know when we've talked about learning before and how your brain works is that it, learning things and doing, you know, doing things that are difficult is hard and your brain doesn't like you doing hard stuff. So it tries to give you every excuse to stop doing hard stuff. Uh, and I think if you can, you know, you talk a lot about kind of mindset and I think if you can get into that mindset where you recognize, right, this uncomfortable feeling that I've got doing this work, feeling like I can't do it, is my brain telling me that I'm actually learning something hard and it's having to work hard and it's struggling to actually you know, to actually make those changes in your brain to actually understand it. So doing stuff that's hard is good rather than it's painful and you need to stop doing it. But Aaron, we, we are right up against time so we've we've reached the the seven o'clock cutoff limit where i think some of our audience have to head off have to head off elsewhere so um we're gonna have to say say goodbye so i don't know Aaron, if you've got any any kind of last minute or, or, or tips or or anything that you'd like to share with the audience no i think it's just um yeah have a think you know just have a sit down and think about um the type of person you are the way you like to learn all that and um try things out in, in your study time. You know, if you have a month, it's great to, to try things out, um, try different ways where you attack, tackle questions and mocks and all that. Um, but then I just always say, don't do anything on exam day that you haven't done in your revision. That's my kind of keep up. That, that's my, that's my favorite tip that you've heard. Is don't, don't, absolutely right. Don't change on exam day. I, I tend to think don't change it two days before exam day. Um, but if you're looking at a study plan today, for an exam that's in eight weeks time, invest the time early 
to get your study pattern right and to, and to get your study timetable right and your use of time right and you will get the benefits when you sit that exam so it's always worth doing it but it's better to do it you know with that lead time into the exam rather than right on the eve of the exam because all you'll do is you'll confuse your brain into what's going on but Aaron it's been an absolute pleasure so thank you so much for joining joining us tonight um hopefully Ben is going to be back with us next week and we'll be back up to full strength. Thanks to absolutely everyone that turned up here. I know there are some great messages in the chat box that I haven't had a chance to get through. If you've got anything that you'd like us to talk about in future weeks, then please let me know. Um, if you are listening on the podcast, um, we, um, we do ask that if, you, if you've got the time, could you please leave a review on whatever your podcast service is? Um, if you could leave us a review, give us a rating, um, it will be much, much appreciated. And if you know someone else that you think Think would really love to listen then feel free to share the podcast with absolutely everyone out there but until next week thank you so much for sharing your evening with us and we will speak to you all very very soon